Hey, everybody. Welcome into Eminem and M Across the Board. Sean Martin, Eric McDowell, Ashley Miller with you again this week. Guys, huge week. We've got the NFL draft. We've got the NHL playoffs. We've got NBA playoffs are, are red hot, ready to go. They're, we've already got teams eliminated. I was so wrong on my Nets pick, so <laughs> we can talk about that later. But let's start with the NHL. And Eric, I'll let you. Oh, you want to do the introduction? Yeah, Sean? I would love to. Introduce our guest. Uh, there he is. There he is. Fluto, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, folks, Fluto Shinzawa has been a beat writer with the Boston Bruins since 2006. He will not remember this, but I met him prior to that covering uh, college hockey when he worked at the Boston Globe, sitting up in the press box at, what was it, the Shawmet, the Fleet, whatever they call it now, TD Garden. Mm -hmm. Uh, He is now a senior writer with The Athletic, and we truly enjoy his insight as we head into the NHL uh, Stanley Cup playoffs this weekend. So, Pluto, thank you for joining us as the playoffs are just days away. We appreciate it. You got it, Eric. I want to open up, and I know we will be talking, of course, Bruins, but also a lot of NHL uh, thoughts with the playoffs. But I want to start with this because you had a wonderful piece about Patrice Bergeron recently. And after reading it, you really showed in both pros and video clips how he should win the Selkie Award again for the best defensive forward who would make him the most ever, passing the great Bob Ganey. I've never seen anyone back check like him ever. Uh, so growing up in Massachusetts, we all wore our number four or jerseys, but now you see the number 37 Bergeron jerseys. So talk about his impact, not only on the ice, but his legacy in Boston and throughout New England. I'm a generational player, Eric, um, for so many reasons, whether it's the cup, whether it's making the NHL as an 18-year-old Um if you, if you redo that 2003 draft, he was picked, what, 45th overall in the second round? He might be first overall, just given how much he's done, how much he's performed. Um, you look at his peers, and he's still going at 36 years old. And, yes, it's the last year of his deal, but just in terms of performance, if he wants to, he could keep on playing. Boy, at, at, this, at this level, you could probably project at, uh, definitely one more year maybe two, um, does everything right defensively, um, so committed in terms of skating, positioning, reading the play, and being strong on the puck. And then he's really, these last three, four years, really um, transformed himself into more of an offensive threat, especially on the power play where he's become just so good at first winning the faceoff in the offensive zone and then getting to a spot distributing the puck, being available for a one-timer, um, and, and just such a tremendous partnership with Brad Marchand for so long. Um, and then this year with Jake DeBrusque, you, you thought that this was going to be the maneuver that Bruce Cassidy would never introduce in terms of taking David Posnarek off that top line because of how well those three read the game um, and play off the puck and read off each other. But circumstances dictated that David was needed on the second line and um, it's paid off to make for a deeper more balanced more dangerous attack Um, but yeah it's it's a long way of saying that Patrice has been tremendous Hall of Fame um, retirement jersey everything Um, whenever that comes and I I, I would suspect the Bruins hope that doesn't come for a few more years yet Yeah, Fleur, I'm not ready for the uh, Bergeron era. I was going to say, I feel like, soon. Sean, I feel like you need to tell your DeBrusque story first. 
Yeah, I will. It, but just for some context, yeah. about about three months ago, I would have uh, suggested that uh, uh, Don Sweeney take a bag of pucks, maybe a dozen, for DeBrusque uh, <laughs> when when he was sitting out too much and just yeah. not not being aggressive. Jake DeBrusque, I love aggressive Jake DeBrusque, and the move to Pasternak in that line that that line that two beautiful goals last night in six seconds for the yeah. Hall Pasternak Hollow line, and DeBrusque, is it a What's the thing with DeBrusque playing on that line? Is is because not everyone Craig Smith didn't thrive with Bergeron and Marchand. DeBrusque has it's kind of they lit a fire under him. Um, and is he still seeking maybe different uh, residents next season? Yeah, he still wants out, Jake. So there's that. But why would you trade him now if you're yeah. Boston? Because he's under contract for the next two years at a pretty. If he's going to be a first line right wing, four million bucks and a year. That's that's pretty good value especially if Jake plays the way he does. Uh, who knows why it all came together? Maybe it's just a bunch of circumstances, uh, Sean, in terms of, well, he's 25 years old. Maybe he, he finally gets it in terms of maturity. Um, I, I'm sure playing with Brad and Patrice, they, they have high, high expectations for whoever their line mate is. So there's that. Maybe he's just got sick of, of being unhappy or unsatisfied or, or whatever. Um, because the pieces have always been in place in terms of foot speed, in terms of um, courage, in terms of the shot. Um, uh, he's a smart player too, Jake. So maybe it's just one of those things where it all just finally did come together. And good for him because that would have been a waste just because yeah. of, of how talented he is to be withering on the, on the third line. or He was playing on the fourth line too. Uh, for parts of the season and, and not really doing much there. So good for him and good for the Bruins for finding a solution in-house for that for that uh, right-wing spot. Because, um, yeah, it wasn't looking good for Jake. and You could see why you can, you can request a trade all you want, but there has to be some kind of return. And, and clearly the return was not good enough. Um, and I'm sure other teams are seeing the same thing, just a disengaged player that was not playing to his potential, and, and it's nice to see that Jake finally is. Pluto, you talk about trades, and I feel like one that, listen, Bruins fans were excited about it as they should be. We've seen what Taylor Hall has added to this team. Has he lived up to expectations and been everything that Bruins fans hoped he would be? He was. We were sad to see him go. My husband's a Devils fan. Sad to see him leave the Devils, but he's been great for the Bruins. Absolutely, Ashley. He's been... Um, you look at since January 1st, let's say, because from, from October, November, December, that was probably the biggest issue in terms of why they had to move Pasternak down to the second line because Taylor was, he was, he was not playing to his threshold. Um, and maybe it was because he didn't have a finisher on the line um, for, for all his speed. And he has a really good shot, as we saw last night. But he, in, in his mind, at least, he, he thinks – of himself as a pass-first guy. So to have a player with, with, with that kind of finishing skill, in, in David's case, really just, just brought out the most of Taylor's game. And then Eric Hall has been a terrific fit as a second-line center, too. Um, Eric was a healthy scratch, along with Jake, back in November for one game against Vancouver. So, yeah, but in terms of Taylor's game, um, the, the trade itself, granted, Buffalo was in a really tough spot in terms of yeah. Taylor had a no-move clause. There weren't that many teams that he was willing to go to. So for the Bruins to get him for Anders Bjork and then a second rounder, that's that's a steal all day. Yeah. And then to sign him to a deal for, for $24 million for, for 
over four years, again, market value. Um, so good for Taylor. Yeah, he, he, there was more there for him for, him for the, these first few months of the season. Um, and then to see the way he's played. And we saw it last year um, when he, he came over from Buffalo and, and instant chemistry with Krejci, um, instant. And, and granted, that went down, that dipped a little bit in the playoffs. But, yeah, overall, that's been, that's been a real nice fit for Taylor, being, being a second-line right wing. He doesn't have I mean, left wing. He doesn't have to be the number one left wing with Brad here. Um, and that takes a lot of pressure off him. Because Taylor, for, for whatever reason, you know, first overall pick, former MVP, he's, he's a guy that gets down on himself kind of quickly and he loses confidence quickly, for, which is hard to uh, consider just given how, how talented he is and how much he's done. Um, but he's feeling good about himself going into the playoffs, which is um, where the Bruins need him to be. Now, Fluto, league-wise Stanley Cup playoffs, we've got finally three Canadian teams with a legitimate shot at hoisting the Cup. And we know that it's been since the early 90s with uh, the Habitants finally had won it then. But this year, who do you think has the best shot of the Canadian teams to finally bring Lord Stanley's Cup to the Great White North where it belongs? I give a lot of love to Canada. I picked Jean Beliveau as the best number four, by the way, last week. But <laughs> Calgary, Edmonton, and Toronto, what do you think? their chances are going into the tournament? Uh, I would say in terms of overall balance, Eric Calgary. Uh, goaltending is legit with, with Markstrom. A playoff style in terms of heaviness, in terms of checking, in terms of defensive commitment. And that, that's all going to be there because of the coach, because he's he has the resume, Daryl, uh, with L.A., um, has done it repeatedly. So it's that that's, that's going to be a tough night in night out team to play against and then they they do have uh, star power in terms of offense Gaudreau, um kachuk lindholm a very nice player um so overall i think uh, as you and especially as if if they do get deep in the playoffs that that's that's a hard team to to beat uh, or to play against uh, <laughs> toronto you would have said toronto before when campbell was really going well in goal but now you you don't know um, is, is he going to be okay? Is, is the other guy going to be the guy? Um, so it's, it's just such a critical position. But then you have Matthews who can score on every shift. And to have that and then to have Marner behind him, to have Tavares there, to have Nylander, uh, is, that's no, uh, that is no cupcake for, for any team trying to plan a defensive game plan against them. So I, I'd say Calgary won. Uh, Toronto too, and then Edmonton. Edmonton's been legit under the new coach and McDavid, Dreisaitl, handful. Um, Smith has been been very good in goal. Um, so I'll put them in that order: Calgary, Toronto, Edmonton. Yeah, Fluta. My biggest burning question I had with the Bruins, and lo and behold, you wrote a brilliant uh, piece. <laughs> I read it last night uh, in the Athletic on the goaltending situation. And typically, you don't see teams successful teams rotating goalies and playoffs. They've done it all year with Omar and Swayman. I think Swayman will have the cage next year. He's kind of hit the wall a little bit. Uh, Omar, as you noted, I think deserves the net. Talk about the danger that Bruce Cassidy has is, let's say they go to Carolina most likely. You go to Carolina and win game one. Omar's going to play game two. You got to kind of ride the hot hand, don't you? Well, that's yeah, that's the trick. Who, who's going to be the idiot coach that you win your first two games and oh yeah, let's, yeah. let's switch the goalie, yeah. and then and then the game the game three goalie gets lit up and then you're an idiot. Yeah. So, but that's hey, you look at the way that this has unfolded throughout the regular season. Yeah. 
the most Allmark has started is four straight. The most Swayman has started is three straight. So it just makes zero sense to me um, when, when it's pretty much down the middle in terms of workload consistently all regular season. Why would you switch that up in the playoffs? Just because it's always done that way doesn't necessarily mean it's the right way. Yeah. Um, and neither guy has has proven himself. Allmark, zero NHL playoff games. Uh, Swayman, zero NHL playoff starts. Came mm -hmm. in for that one game um, against the Islanders. I think it was game five when, when Tuca was clearly not right. Um, so neither guy has established himself. The pressure is way high. Stress level is way high. It's hot. They've been through the actual workload of the regular season, so they're tired, more tired than they were going in. So, And neither guy has proven himself. So why – why would you alter from from that kind of rhythm just because it's always been that way but yes that will be the trick say you win your first two and the coaches it'll all be up to well they they monitor their the the workload in terms of player tracking with with uh, stress heart rate all that calories burned so there's a way you that you can measure okay maybe Linus is a little bit more tired than he should be and Swayman is fresh and then you have to be honest, um, whether you're Linus or, or Jeremy, when you're going to the coaches and saying, okay, I feel good, I feel great, or I feel uh, maybe I could use a day off. That's where they really have to be honest, and they they have to be decisive, the coaching staff, in making that call. But it's you look around the league, Bruins are not alone. Um, yes, Vasilevsky will be ridden. Uh, Rangers will obviously ride Shesterkin, but there's a lot of guys, a lot of rotations here that – coaches and, and teams they'd be better off going um who knows if it's a strict rotation but being very very mindful of workload of who's hot who's not and and making that switch um proactively rather than reactively and bruins will absolutely be in that case um, both guys will, will see playing time quick follow-up on that does it help that that the two have a seem to have a great camaraderie that you won't get any controversy in the room. You know, it might be with the fans, but not necessarily with the room because uh, Jeremy and Linus get along so well. Yeah, they do. They do get along. It's a nice relationship they have. Yeah. Um, of course, both both guys want to play. Um, they want to be the guy the whole way. Forget about even even rotating. But that's that's part of what's been um, successful here is the competition. That whenever. Either goalie has has dipped, or whenever some you know, Jeremy has has not been Jeremy from last year. These these last few months, yeah, um, it's been consistent. It's been a pretty decent sample size for Jeremy that he hasn't been right or hasn't been at the level he was last year. Well, granted that that was that would have been unfair to to ask him to sustain that kind of performance. But Linus has been right there. The competition has been good. There's been a guy there. Whereas maybe in years past, you wouldn't have been as comfortable where, where Tuka was clearly the number one. And you would have thought, okay, if we have to go to whatever, Halak or Hudobin or, or Swayman, then there, there's, there's probably an issue. Uh, but this year, when you do make that switch, there, there won't be a, an issue. It's just, it's just the way that these guys are close in terms of, of competition and, yes, in terms of relationship. And there, there shouldn't be... Um, hard feelings in terms of sharing the net because that's the way it's been all year and that's the way it should be going to the playoffs. Fluto, last night, so as we tape on a Wednesday, Tuesday night, the Bruins clinched the uh, top wild card in the East. It, 
as it stands now, they would go to Carolina. We had mentioned that, but this is a Carolina team that has given them fits this season. And, and for good reason, they're a great team. They obviously won the Metropolitan, but in three games, they were swept in the regular season series and outscored 16 to one. Why is that matchup so bad for them? And, and can you have three fluky games? I know there are varying circumstances, but why is this not the best matchup uh, with the Hurricanes in the first round if that's what comes to fruition? Uh, I noticed overall team speed, Ashley, is, is Caroline was on them, and the Bruins, they had no breathing room, zero oxygen to make plays, to think, to, to process, and, and to get to their game. Carolina was in command the whole way. Um, and and will that change in the playoffs? I don't I, I don't know. The Bruins are, are clearly a different team than they were in, in the three matchups. But yeah, sixteen to one. That's that that that's the truth. That you can't you can't escape that when you're the Bruins and, and saying, boy, this 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 is a really bad matchup just because four lines, uh, aggressive closing, uh, and and on the power play, which has been awful. Carolina is one of the most aggressive teams there is um, in terms of, of their style of, of killing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, overall, up and down, 1 through 18, they can all skate the Hurricanes. And that is that, that was the, the thing that really stood out is just no time for the Bruins to do anything decisive with the puck. Um, so, yeah, if, if, if it's anything like that, that's a short series coming up um, for the Bruins. Mm-hmm. The, the playoff goalie situation reminds us old timers of Mike Keenan, who would change goalies more than his socks. And uh, we, we never see that anymore. That's for sure. The other note, quick, Johnny Hockey, we saw him play with BC. Uh, he's got 111 points, a plus 61. Buffalo Sabres top player for plus minus has a minus one. That's a great stat. Not if you're in Buffalo. Uh, <laughs> Want to know who you think uh, should be this year's MVP, Fluto, and also who you have in the finals and who will win the cup? I would have thought Shosturkin for the longest time, but the Rangers have, have become a, a more rounded team. He doesn't have to carry them. He's dipped a little bit. Um, so Matthews, 60 goals, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> scores all the time, makes his line mates better, um, <clears throat> really pulled Toronto throughout the season so yeah matthews gets the mvp uh playoffs where you can't argue against colorado with how good they've been all year um and and really no weaknesses there um so i'll say colorado from the west and uh i would have said carolina all day but the goaltending there looks iffy uh, you don't know what the deal is with Anderson or Ranta or, or any of those guys. Uh, so I will say Florida. Right. You, you talk about Anderson with Carolina, and if he's shown anything in his playoff history, it, it's good, good, good until it's not good anymore. To me, that's where I'm kind of hoping with the Bruins. I look at the Bruins with that wild card going through the Metro. That's a better path, I think, for them than having to deal with Florida, Tampa, Toronto, um, do you agree with that? I mean, nothing's easy in playoffs. There's no easy opponents. But uh, if if I can, I take my chances with the Carolina and then either the Rangers or Penguins all day. Uh, yeah, I would. I would. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. I, I I don't think you want any part of Tampa. I don't think you want well, Toronto. That that would be tough. Even the history, Florida is legit. So yeah, um, 
Carolina, again, horrible matchup for the Bruins, but the goaltending kind of evens that out because you don't know. And, and A, yeah, in terms of your, your, your point about Anderson, is that in the playoffs, yes, a different team with Toronto versus Carolina and not as much support all around, but he does have a history of, of, uh, of stubbing his toe. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that would have been an issue had he been – had he been healthy for game one, we don't we don't know if he's going to be ready for for the start. Um, but Bruins have their own goaltending issues in terms of zero experience. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's uh, if you look at, at the rest of that division, um, Rangers are, are better, but still they are they are pretty goalie reliant. Um, Pittsburgh probably not as thorough as years past, and and they have their own goaltending issue with Jari being injured, and that. <laughs> Excuse me, and then Washington is just—I uh, don't think that's the, the team from years past from no. when the cup and again goaltending. Um, so yeah, it's—it's it, it's probably is uh, favorable for the Bruins to go through Metro. Pluto, is there an acquisition from the trade deadline? We've seen a guy like Andrew Cop who has kind of injected life into the Rangers and been really good with them in his time. A big name like Marc-Andre Fleury gives the Wild a, a really good one-two punch. Um, Claude Giroux to the Panthers. Is there something or someone that stands out that was a trade deadline move that you kind of think takes that team to the next level? Yeah, I'd, I'd have to jump on that Fleury train just mm. because he's mm. – uh, the top of it was good, but Fleury is just such – a presence in terms of being able to steal games mm -hmm. and and that's it's a nice team minnesota has in terms of being big mean uh physical they don't give up much and then then you add in the goalie that can steal games when the mm -hmm. team is not playing at its best that's that's a difference making move um it's it's always a little bit challenging when goalies move just because it's 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 hard for them to adjust new team new system new surroundings new everything Mm -hmm. uh, we saw how long it took for Allmark to get really settled here in Boston. It was it was months of of transitioning and practicing um, and and moving on from Buffalo, and and it looks like that he has turned the page. Um, but that takes a long time. So that that might that might flare up for Flurry in Minnesota in the playoffs. But yeah, you really have to like the way that he could he could complement everything there and be that missing piece. Um, and then I'm still curious about the, how the Lindholm thing is going to work out. We would have had a, a clearer picture had he not been injured here for what, seven or eight games, but he's, he's made such a difference on that top pair with Shirley. So uh, we wouldn't expect that to change in the playoffs, um, but that's, that's one to watch certainly. And, and it would have been nice for the Bruins to have a clearer picture on that, but they, they really like what they've seen and what, what kind of difference that Hampus has made so far. We did a whiteboard segment each week, and I did uh, Flurry, and I compared him to Jacques Plante. He's an immortal goalie and a tremendous career, a Hall of Famer, and wherever he goes, things work out just fine. Thank you. <laughs> so last thing for me, Flodo, is tell us a little bit about your book. Uh, it's called The Big 50, The Men and Moments That Made the Boston Bruins. That must have been a very fun task and a lot of history to talk about there. <laughs> Yeah, that, that seems like a long time ago now, um, Eric. That was, yeah. it's, uh, and I believe that's been repeated in several other markets. Um, that it's, you look at whatever it's players or coaches or executive or maybe even, even uh, moments in terms of historical significance. So 
uh, clearer what, what is number one in terms of the Bruins. But it was, it was, yeah, it, it was a, a, a neat exercise to go through and, and call uh, whatever stands out from, from the organization's history. And it, it, was, it was nice to spend time with Trace or Harry Sinden or, or Zidano to talk about where they stand. And um, it's not just the, the achievements or their accomplishments in that moment, but then framed against the history of the organization. Which, which really makes you say, okay, for example, Patrice, he, he really, uh, I can't remember where he ended up in that 50-person uh, or 50-slot uh, ranking, but At he, that time, he, right. he was high just because of, yeah, this was still a few years ago of what he had accomplishment, accomplished uh, within the perspective of, of history. So, um, yeah, uh, it, it, was, it was a fun exercise to go through and... Um, uh, I'd like to see what other markets have done, um, but that's, that's certainly a repeatable template for for others to follow um, in, yeah. in their respective markets. So yeah, it was it was fun to work on. Fluto, last question for me. I was out in uh, Boston area last weekend for Easter. Great dinner at, at Alba's uh, restaurant in Quincy. If you've never been there, here's the question I got to know: What's better, the pasta or not pasta, <laughs> or the March Munch? For Brad mm, yeah, I, can, you, can you can you give me a winner here? I I I can't say that I've sampled either. So uh, I don't know what's going on. Uh, Sean, I, you're gonna have to test them out. Well, Sean got a two minute penalty just for opening up the March Munch. Bad <laughs> call. It's not open. It's not open. <laughs> no, uh, sorry. Yeah, I can't help you there. But uh, okay, maybe maybe they're both good. All right. I was gonna say he can give you dinner recommendations next time you go to Boston. Sure thing. North End. You know. Anytime. Well, thank you so much, Fluto. We appreciate the insight specifically to the Bruins, but also the NHL playoff picture as a whole. It was a pleasure to have you on, um, and hopefully we'll be able to chat with you again. Pleasure. Great to see you again. Right. Thank you so much for joining us. You got Thanks, it, guys. Pluto. Great yeah. meeting you. Have a good one. Bye now. Awesome. So we thank got Fluto's pick. You guys want to make picks? Yeah, yeah, I had Calgary and uh, – I mean, I really did. I've had them for a while. I could not That's find awesome. my hat. Uh, but as he said, they're just deep. I mean, Kachuk and Lindholm. But it does come down to goaltending. And you've got a guy that's got a 2.21. He's only had 10 games this year of four or more goals. That's it, allowed. Okay? He is the goalie that can carry that team. So I, I was very curious about who he'd pick in the West. I mean, the, the West is going to be an absolute... <laughs> wild affair it's going to be the wild wild west and as sean knows we can't wait to watch those games i will stay up till three in the morning to see a calgary colorado conference final <laughs> yeah things still got to shake out in the west which is crazy but it's pretty much set right <laughs> pretty, so. after last night it's pretty much set who do you guys like uh i'm gonna go, listen i'm gonna stick with florida i i always felt like until the lightning of the last couple of years, rarely does the best team in the NHL win it all. But the lightning had done that in back-to-back -back years. So I'm going to go with Florida uh, out of the <clears throat> East. And I'm going to go wild out of the West because like Fluto, I'm a sucker for a uh, a really good goalie and a, and a really good two-goalie tandem. Mm. Um, so I'm going to go wild and Panthers. I... I picked the Avs at the start of the year. Yeah, you did. The Islanders, they, yep. they killed us. <clears throat> I'm yeah, I mean, are the Islanders the, the biggest disappointment? Have to be. 
Who is? I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. The Islanders? Oh, no quite. Yeah, Montreal just had a lot of things fall apart, mm -hmm. injuries. But, yeah, Islanders, nobody saw that coming. Mm -mm. Yeah, I, I like Colorado. I don't love their goaltending, but they're so good. Yeah. Um, and in the East, i got to be honest with you, I love Toronto's game, but I don't know if they can <laughs> mentally – can they clear that can hurdle? Do it? Yeah. And their first that. round is going to be Tampa, a two-time champion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, that's I, rough. I'm going to pick the Leafs over the Bruins in the Eastern Ooh. Conference final. Okay. It might be comparative to the Brooklyn Nets pick by somebody on this panel. Yep. yep. Not going to name names, Ashley. Yeah. Um, I, already, I already admitted to it. I'm going to go with the Avs and the Leafs. I think the Leafs are good enough to get there. They have to believe they're good enough to get there. Hmm. Um, and I think this is the year they claim that hurdle. And what Fluto said, Austin Matthews has just, elevated his game from he was great yeah. before this year and and now he's even he's even he's moved up so i'm gonna go with the leafs but they scare the hell out of me a little bit because they just find ways to break <laughs> the hearts of that fan base every yeah. spring but yeah hopefully I, I not think, this year. actually this will be neat because i see calgary winning game seven against toronto and then the city will implode yeah i mean if yeah. toronto wins the cup the space station will be able to see the blue <laughs> lights coming from Earth. And I'd love to see it happen. But I think uh, no matter what, the the playoffs in the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs are a must-watch. Yeah, they're phenomenal. awesome. It's, so it's the I'll best tournament. Calgary in seven in an OT game against Toronto. And all uh, our friends up there will have whatever hair they have left will be pulled out. Yeah, our friend, our first guest ever, Dr. Schaller, uh, we went to high school together and he was a big NBA guy. Mm -hmm. And every spring, he reminded me this a few years ago, he's now a capital season ticket holder. Every spring, I'd be like, how can you not be watching Stanley Cup playoffs? These guys battle for every inch of ice, every shift. And he didn't watch it. And then we, we lost track of each other for years and he became a Caps fan living down there. Mm -hmm. And when we first reconnected, one of the first things he said to me was, I wasted 30 years of my life not watching playoffs when you told me back in 10th grade yeah. I should be doing it. So, yeah. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, listen, I'm not a big regular season NHL or NBA watcher, to be honest with you. I'll catch highlights on SportsCenter most times. Um, but I watch more NBA and NHL right now during the playoffs yeah. than any other time because it's so good. It's it's the one time yeah. when NBA players play defense, which is what I long for all season long. And just the energy of a playoff game in the NHL is, is unreal. It is. Oh, and before, we, before we move on from hockey, one of my cherished photos. This oh. was from uh, Brian Gianta, who played at Boston yeah. College before Gaudreau. Uh, he brought the cup during his time at home to Rochester, his hometown. Cool. And uh, I, you notice I was a little distant from it because he said, don't touch it. I said, I thought you have to win the cup to touch it. He said, are you retired from playing hockey? Yes, you can touch it. Then I touched it. And it is <laughs> gorgeous. And it was really fun to see him drive out with it in the back of a pickup and people driving by. Honey, that's the Stanley Cup. You're full of it. Mm -hmm. No, look. That's so great funny. memory. And uh, <clears throat> we look forward to a great series and who, whoever will have uh, that beautiful edifice to enjoy. Cool. Hey, folks, Godzilla Media will be live this year, tomorrow night, for the NFL Draft at Iron's Edge in 
uh, Golf Club and Balsam Spa Country Club. Join Godzilla Media live on location starting at 6.30 p.m. and throughout the entire first round. Enjoy great drink specials, food, football fans, and more on Thursday, April 29th. For more information on upcoming draft night broadcasts, continue to watch and listen to Godzilla Media shows this month. It's actually Thursday the 28th. I was going to say the 28th, yeah. Yeah, I'm actually going to try and get up there. I haven't broached the subject with Mrs. Martin yet. Um, okay. If nothing else, I'll probably jump on uh, jump on the live stream and check it out as the NFL draft is awesome. The NFL draft is awesome. Even though I, I honestly think the Raiders traded their first two round picks, A, to get Devonta Adams and also to screw the NFL for screwing with them for 50 years by not having the host city have a pick the first two nights. Um, <laughs> it's rough. Obviously. Still can beat some trades. You never know. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, so That's the NFL I always draft. laugh when I'm going through mock drafts and they're like, oh, hey, this is my mock draft. I worked on it for years, basically, <laughs> months. And they were like, and then a first-round trade blows the whole thing up. Yeah, the, the mock draft Mel, world. Mel Kuyper Groundhog Day, right? Because come Sunday, he'll go back in a hole in Pennsylvania. Is that what happens? <laughs> yeah, CBS Sports... What mock drafts drive me nuts because they're clickbait yeah. on the internet. Like when a lot of websites will put mock drafts up in September of football season in week yeah. two for the following spring. They don't know the draft order. They don't know who's coming out. No, none of the college guys have played. But I saw a mock draft on CBS Sports yesterday that just it blew my mind. The the person suggesting Jacksonville's gonna take Trayvon Walker, which I'll get to in a second. Yeah, but that they won't consider Aiden Hutchinson because Jaguar GM Trent Baalke worked with Jim Harbaugh in San Francisco, and they apparently hate each other, and that he won't consider taking the Michigan player to give Harbaugh the rub of having the top pick. If that's true, Trent Baalke shouldn't work in the NFL. Okay. Yeah, listen, I I don't disagree with not taking Aiden Hutchinson first overall, and I think a lot of draft boards and a lot of people have backed off of him. He was like the consensus number one overall pick, and all of a sudden other guys are coming up, and be it Thibodeau or a guy like Trayvon Walker. Trayvon Walker basically floored people in the combine, and if that's the reason you want to take him, then fine, but don't make it personal. That's where you got to draw the line. Here's where guys get fired. Combine versus tape. They're two different things. There's football speed and there's 40-yard dash times when you're wearing a shirt and shorts and you're not wearing a helmet and you don't have spikes on and you're not chasing a running back. The problem I have with Trayvon Walker moving up at the combine is, and I think the Jags are going to blow this pick if they take him. In his college career at Georgia, this year, he was at best their third-best player on defense. He had no. nine sacks. Oh, yeah, no. no Jordan way. Davis, N'Kobe Dean, both better. No way. Walker had six sacks, nine sacks his whole career. I don't want to hear about measurables. What does a guy do on the field? Even if, to me, the best player in this draft, if you're looking for an edge rusher, you said it, Ashley, is Thibodeau. He's the guy I would pick. He was at the end of the college football year. A lot of people were talking about number one pick. Now, he's not going to slide far, five, six, seven, if he slides that far. To me, he's the best one. On Pugsley's Pit this week, I had Bobby Thompson, an NFL insider, journalist, works with the Bucks. And a Pats fan, which just killed me having having that, but we got we got through it. Um, he said Aiden Hutchinson. It's coming out that his he's got T Rex arms, where his arms are a little short, um, and that's freaking out some some teams uh-huh. there too. But uh, I would take Hutchinson and Tebow over Trayvon Walker all day. 
Well, the question now is Detroit, if they get Thibodeau at two, or I'll mention uh, Willis in for a sec. But the thing with Thibodeau, you know, we, we hear about the injuries and all that, but he's so dominant. How do you pass up with him at the edge at number two? But the thing I want to ask you about with the Lions, do you take Malik Willis all the way at two? No. It's a little high no. for him. I wouldn't do it. I've been no. seeing some of that uh, because, remember, they've got a lot of draft capital. The Lions have a bright future. I don't think I've ever uttered those words in my life, but they really do this year. But I can't see them passing up the no. talent here to take no. Willis at number two. If no. this is – Sean and I <coughs> talked yesterday. If you were a big-time quarterback, this was your year. Yeah, because we've got five, yeah, pretty good type of guys. But I can't see passing up Thibodeau. This this guy's got too much talent, and he could be so dominant for the Lions right now. Yeah, I read a really good article in Sports Illustrated, and it basically talked about, listen, you have basically every year is the year of the quarterback. This is finally the year when it's the year that defensive coordinators are salivating yes. because edge rushers aplenty, cornerbacks yep. aplenty. You've got some good linebackers. And the way that the NFL has trended, so guys, the, and this was, I thought, really interesting. We've seen such a huge decrease in blitz packages because of guys like Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. You try to blitz them, and they pick you apart and make you crazy. So – Yep. Teams are blitzing so much less. It's the it was the least number of blitzes in the NFL yeah. since they started like keeping the stat in 2013, I think it was. This is the perfect time to draft an edge rusher because now you need guys who can beat people one on one. You need a and guy who's fast. just with no yeah. help on the blitz is straight yeah. going to beat their guy. And there are so many of them in this draft that can do that. And I don't know that you can really go wrong. But there's a chance that the first three picks of this draft are edge rushers because I don't I don't think the Lions will take Malik Willis. It would be a huge stretch to take Malik Willis at number two. You can get a decent enough quarterback somewhere down the line. But you could have the first three guys off the board be the three guys we already talked about. You, There were five first-round quarterbacks last year in the first mm -hmm. 14 picks. <laughs> Eric said this is the year to, to be the quarterback, which tells you how thin it is. Correct. Malik Willis has all the athleticism. He has every checks every box to me, except for he played at Liberty and he Correct. didn't play against anybody any good. His top, mm -hmm. top team was Virginia Tech. They're an average at best ACC program right now. Just because a guy's the best quarterback does not make him the second pick of the draft. It's, right. To me, no quarterback should be taken in the top 20. If I were the Lions and right. I wanted Willis, I would take that last pick of the first round and maybe a two if you really want them that bad and move up into the first round to do that. Use that draft capital. But anyway, Carolina picks a quarterback at six. You're it, Again, these, I think are, they these, might. Are, these are general manager yeah. decisions that get people fired. Atlanta could that. too. Yeah. Pittsburgh at yep. 20. Okay, 20, that's fine. Um, but you got to be careful <laughs> that, that just do you, are you drafting the talent or are you drafting the position? Because that's where teams get in a lot of trouble. A great analogy. And the question is, Pittsburgh, will they will they get Pickett later, the kid from Pitt? Yeah. Because then you're going right. to hear the fans go, Pickett, Pickett, Pickett. But mm -hmm. some, some great history you guys are talking about. There's been only five defensive ends selected number one since 92. That's amazing. 11 non-QBs have been the top pick. This is indeed a great treat, Ashley. It's going to be refreshing. I love There'll it. be defensive yeah. coordinators this year that will actually be able to keep their job and be two years in a row as a defensive mm -hmm. coordinator. The, the questions I have for you, uh, did the Giants trade down to get more picks? Did the Eagles no. trade down for more picks? I don't think either of them will. The Eagles are sitting at three nice, juicy picks. I wouldn't touch them. Yeah. <clears throat> 
I think it depends, and this is kind of a cop-out, but the Giants will not trade down, should not trade down. Shouldn't, when you have right. two picks that high, you have to take, in what is such a loaded draft in terms of what they need, I think you have to use those picks to get better because they've been horrendous. When you have picks at five and seven, unless somebody offers you their first round picks for the next three years, then I'm not doing it. I'm taking guys that I need. The Giants have such huge holes. Listen, on the offensive line, which has been, I mean, they've drafted offensive linemen for the last three years and more have not worked out than have worked out. Um, (laughs) They just let Will Hernandez walk. That was a guy that I think they picked like seventh overall or something ridiculous. I can't remember off the top of my head, but he was their top pick in the first round a couple years ago. They just let him walk. So they need a guy like a stalwart at offensive line. They'll have their pick at number five if they choose to do so. Um, They also need secondary help. And I think at seven, you're going to, if you don't get maybe your top pick, say it's Sauce Gardner, if he's not there, you get the second best uh, corner in the draft. That's not so bad either. I'm a little wary on a guy like Derek Stingley Jr. just because of how his career has played out at LSU. So I'm not sure that I would touch him. I know he's kind of high on draft boards. I might go a little, something a little more like Trent McDuffie from Washington, um, but seven is high for him. So I think you can still, they could get the best offensive lineman and the best corner available and have a great draft. Yeah, and it Sean, you know, Ashley, Sean, Ashley is is so disappointed that Gettleman isn't making these two picks, oh. you can tell. Oh. If I'm Jacksonville, I take a lineman, protect Trevor Lawrence. I know you need defensive help, but if the if the draft is that deep, you can get it later. Um, but you got to protect your investment from last year. Uh, that's just what I would do. There's some good offensive tackles you could grab at number yeah. one. Yeah, I mean, they've done a good amount on the offensive side of the ball in the offseason. Um, but, yeah, I don't disagree. I I'd say, I always say the same thing. Like, if you're the Bengals and you don't take someone to protect Joe Burrow, you've got these assets, these young arms who you want to be the franchise quarterback. Then the second thing you do after drafting that quarterback better be to protect them. Yeah. <clears throat> Well, I'll hit on the Patriots of some guys I'd like yeah, to see, it. and I know you'll hit some of the the metro area. But uh, with the Pats, what are the biggest gonna... needs? Corner. So, oh, for the Patriots, I would yeah. say wide receiver and corner. Yes, corner. and so you'll see that. And I'm going to mention a couple of guys. Obviously, Alabama's Jameson Wilson. We know the Alabama story ad nauseum, but it's worked. Uh, I think he'll drop to 21 because he had a torn ACL. Yeah, uh, but he's getting back day to day, like they say in baseball. And I think the Pats could look at him. Uh, he's got the speed, and Mac Jones needs somebody uh, that he's familiar with, but also a, a good uh, target. Remember, Randy Moss was taken 21. Okay, mm. Hard to believe now, but it happens. So I think the injury hopefully will scare off some people. But most of the top 20, as we said, are going to be D-line, O-line, secondary. So I think he <laughs> slips. Uh, another option would be Drake London from USC. Mm-hmm. I think Philly will take him. I don't think he'll be here at this point. I think he's uh, going to be gone in the top 15, yeah. I bet. Yeah, yeah, I agree with he's that. He's a big that's play guy. Really big. He, he, he's just what the Pats could use, but I don't think he'll be there. I don't think we'll see Jermaine Johnson there either from Florida State. Yeah. I'd love to see him there. Linebacker. But, uh, he's a guy who had a great year at <laughs> Florida State. He's a former Bulldog, as Sean has talked about, Georgia. Mm-hmm. He'd be a great fit with Matt Judon just to have those two guys to go after the Allens and Mahomes. But that is probably a dream as well. Maybe uh, Bill's beautiful dog will make that pick because he did the picks last year. What a beautiful dog that Belichick had. 
and then just the two others you mentioned, Stingley, uh, that would be a heartfelt pick because yeah. of its grandfather, Daryl Stingley, who we remember was paralyzed. It was awful. Can't believe grandson is playing. Uh, highly thought out freshman, had a great year, and one of the best athletes. Love to see him there. Can't see it. And the last one I would say would be Trevor Penning, an offensive tackle uh, with Northern Iowa. He is a beast. He's huge. He runs a 4.8940. Uh, he can squat a team bus. But my, I think the best thing with him is that he could be the assistant equipment manager because he'd keep Mac Jones' jerseys clean and not on his back. But I'm going to predict they're going to get Devin Lloyd of Utah. I think he will be there, the linebacker, uh, at 21. He's got value. He's got uh, a position of weakness there. He would be a great fit. Okay. So they go him over Ryan. a corner. <coughs> him over a corner, Eric? I would say yes. I think because of the history with linebackers and they see so much in him, uh, I could see I, – I would pick him over some of the corners that, that may have already been gone. They may, they may go with him over a corner. I think he'd be a wonderful grab at 21, and they'll find a good corner in round two. Yeah. I mean, that hole left by J.C. Jackson is is a hole. Yeah. It's a big hole. Big hole, yes. Yeah. Hey, in the last two hours, Jacksonville signed their franchise tag left tackle, three years, $54 million, So beef it up. Sauce uh, won't be there at That was the guy who was already with them? He was with them, but he just hadn't signed. But they just they just yeah. got him. So. Okay. So, the so, Giants and Jets on, so my guess is they're not going to take an O-lineman. No, probably not. Giants and Jets, would you say this is the best situation they've been in from a draft standpoint? Has to be. Well, yeah. I mean, when when's the last time, maybe never, I don't know, when's the last time that both the Giants and Jets had two top 10 picks each? Two. I mean, this is like this is when you talk about a chance to get better. One top 10 pick makes you better. Two top 10 picks should make you a different team next year. A different team. Just don't screw um, it up. Yeah, the Jets <laughs> need literally everything. Literally everything. But – I th it's crazy how many teams need corners. I went down like a, a draft list kind of thing, and it was like corner, 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 corner. Position of need is all corners. So corners are going to fly off the board. The Jets need a corner. They need they could right. use a wide receiver for, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, their QB, and they could use an edge rusher too. So they need just about everything. But if a guy like Sauce Gardner's there, a guy like Derek Stingley's there, I think they take them. Garrett Wilson, receiver, or you mentioned Drake London. That guy, that guy's name has skyrocketed up draft boards. So I think if either of those four guys are there, I think they'll go corner and wide receiver. But I wouldn't be surprised if for some reason there's someone else there, like a linebacker, that's – if Trayvon Walker falls to four, do you take him? Probably. At some point, you have to take the best available player over your biggest – you know, need, but you have to make sure that it makes sense. Very good point, Sean, right? Yeah, very good. <clears throat> you you mentioned cornerbacks too, Sean. I'd, I'd like your thought on this is that I don't think they'll they'll have who they want there because, as you said, the best player available, that's why they go with a linebacker because everybody in the NFC East needs a cornerback. So that division mm -hmm. has six picks in the top 20, and the Jets have two. So there's eight shots of cornerbacks gone at least two of those, the two names that have been mentioned, would be gone. So um, this is the year to be a cornerback. Yeah. Cornerback and an edge rusher. Sean, what trade do you <coughs> think could happen? 
Uh, well, the rumors broke the other night that Darren Waller was going to the Packers for a second round pick, which is just the dumbest thing I ever heard. Um, the rumor got the Raider Nation all wild up. Settle down, <laughs> settle down, folks. He's got two years left on a team friendly deal. You're not going to deal with Waller till next year, unless the Raiders get a big salary cap relief June 1, uh, when some of the cuts take effect. But they're not trading Darren Waller for a second-round pick to Green Bay. They they right. wouldn't have done the Devontae Adams thing. And the thing that got grossly overlooked was the rumor was started by some blockhead out in Wisconsin who writes a blog <laughs> for the Packers. Uh, you know, he's probably looking back like, wow, look, we, we got a first and a second for Devontae Adams. That's it? Why didn't we get Darren Waller? And started that garbage chatter. And so I, I've, I've read conflicting things on Debo Samuel that him and the Niners might have made up. Yeah, they might not have. I also saw rumors that the Jets offered a bunch of picks and Elijah Moore for Samuel. That's a, I honestly that the trade that I think is would really make a lot of sense to me is one of these quarterback needy teams go out and get Baker Mayfield. You're not going to have to give up much. Mm-hmm. The right. Browns will fly him out to wherever you want yep. him to play. They just want him to get him out of there. I would take my chances with Baker Mayfield over any quarterback in this class because the guy played, he plays with a chip on his shoulder. He is a little reckless, but a pissed off Baker Mayfield is better than any other option in this draft. And if I was Seattle, Carolina, whoever, that's that's what I would do. Yeah, me too. Because those teams, like the, if you're not going to give up much, a team like Seattle not having to waste their pick on a quarterback, well, now you can go get it a player who's going to make your team better while also filling that quarterback need. I think Carolina is going to draft a quarterback anyway, and then suffer through another year of Sam Darnold, which is unfortunate for Carolina fans. Um, But if you're going to suffer through another year of Sam Darnold, why not take the best available player at six, like six is franchise changing stuff. If you're going to, to me, it's a stretch to go. It's even a stretch there. We talk about the lions at two. It's a stretch there to go get a guy like Malik Willis. You could get a guy, you know, Kenny Pickett's not going to fall out of the first round is my guess, because I think the saints might take a quarterback. Um, But in the second round, you could get a good enough quarterback. A guy like Sam Howell was at the top of everyone's draft board at the end of last year and then fell right off of it. That's a guy you could get and see what happens in the second or third round and not kill yourself for using a first-round draft pick on him. You go back to Mayfield. A year ago at this time, he was the toast of Cleveland, Ohio. Mm-hmm. They just beaten the Pittsburgh Steelers in the playoffs on the road. Yep. Look at then the national ads. Yeah. I love the ads. Then he yeah. got hurt and tried to play through it and killed the stock right. and killed his, his his whole relationship with that city. And then they they turned on him and they they did him wrong with the, mm-hmm. the, with the way they handled the Deshaun Watson thing. You want to get Watson, fine, but they – they 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 devalued their their property and and they're not going to get much for them and they don't deserve anything for them. Yeah. They, I don't want to see. I don't want to see Mayfield thrown into the now he's a backup clipboard guy forever. He doesn't deserve that yet. He no, he hasn't out. played. He hasn't played himself down to that level yet. An injury yeah, and he has given us. You know, last season was a mulligan with his injury and put, put yeah. his heart out. He is going to go through the wall for you if you pick him up. And. Yeah. Uh, it, as the you're not going to take the best player quarterback. You look at all these teams, and the number one need of quarterback really are only two. All the other needs they have are all these talented players at other positions. Yeah, and don't you like if you say okay, you can have a Baker Mayfield who has three, four years of NFL experience, or you could have Malik Willis who has zero. Right. What do, you know what I mean? Like, 
at least <coughs> Baker Mayfield, I'm not saying he sh- he's not going to be a backup. I'm not saying he shouldn't be in a, a quarterback competition, though. Like, you go to Seattle, good. Go beat Drew Locke out for a job. You go to Carolina, exactly. go beat Sam Darnold out for a job. You shouldn't have a problem doing either of those things. He should right. be the starting quarterback on either of those teams. Whether or not somebody's going to go get him, it, they just can't ask for a lot. And I think if you're going to give up one pick for him, okay, fine. But when you t- start talking more than that, it's going to be tough. Yeah, I mean, Cle- look, he's he's not a top 10 quarterback. He is nope. what he is. Right now, he's 15 to 18 maybe, mm-hmm. right? But he's not the worst quarterback in the league. He's not even the worst 10 or 12. Nope. I would rather take Baker. You, you know what you're getting with him. And you might be able to work with them. There's always been a lot of turnover in Cleveland because they're the Browns and that's what they do. It's a better investment because at least you know what he is now mm-hmm. rather than an uh, a quarterback just coming into the league. You don't know what you have. Yeah. You're going to find out, but you might not find out for a couple of years. Mayfield gives you a chance to be respectable at the quarterback position, which a lot of teams in the league have a, can't say that they have. And a Carolina has got to take Evan Neal if he's on the board. Do not take a quarterback and Listen, miss I, out on a guy I, like him. He better not be on the board because if he's there for the Giants, uh, I could see Jets, Giants going offensive tackle back to back. And they would take the kid from NC State, and I would take Evan Neal if I'm the Giants. So I don't think he'll be there. But, yeah, if he's there, I would take him too. Mm, all right. Hey, just remind everybody at Godzilla Media. <clears throat> it should be a lot of <clears throat> a lot of fun. Guys, the uh the hmm. owner of the company is gonna be showing off his newly brandished shaved head from losing a bet. Oh, yeah, I no. talked to him the other day. Got a shaved head. Hey, we should head. do that, Sean. We can't lose either way. I'm no, I'm seriously, I got my hair cut last week and I almost told him to give me the telly Savalas. I'm real close to it. I'm getting tired <laughs> of it. So. So anyway, that said, this spring is the perfect time to get top dollar for your trade-in with the Kelly Blue Book Instant Cash Offer. Same-day check in your hand the day you trade in your vehicle. The new vehicle's inventory continues to roll in at Mohawk Honda. To follow the newest vehicles coming in, follow Mohawk Honda on their Facebook, Twitter, and social media platforms. Head over to Mohawk Honda's Facebook page to find out more about this year's pet adoption clinic uh, scheduled uh, this week. All the Mohawk Honda sales and leasing consultants will work with you to find the best vehicle for your budget and lifestyle. Visit Mohawk Honda in Glenville, New York this week or this spring. Mohawk Honda, where they always go out of their way to please, to please you. you. <clears throat> All right. Well, why don't we just start by me owning it? I already owned it once, but I'll own it again. <laughs> I took a flyer on the Nets. They were the eight seed. We knew it was going to, well, what we didn't know. Listen, you all said it was going to be a good series too, and it wasn't. So um yeah not good they got swept right out of town the Celtics were the better team the Celtics played defense the defense that we thought they would play I just thought what I didn't think was that they would shut down Kevin Durant that wasn't on my radar like Kevin Durant scoring single digit points is not something that I thought would happen I just thought they would play better defense on them as a team um but they shut them down so yeah you win because I thought KD and Kyrie would figure it out together. They did not. I want to throw numbers at you of what the Celtics did to the Nets, and I'm using the first three games. Okay, It's not just about (laughs) offense. As you said, it's about defense. Durant covered by Tatum, 110 possessions, 10 points. You serious? That's Durant. Two in game three. Yes, he had a big one in game four. I'll give him that. In the regular season, he averaged 40 points per 100 possessions. 
And then you look at what Smart did to Irving. 96 possessions, 16 points, four points each in game two and three. He averaged 35 per 100. Absolutely phenomenal defensive effort. This coach from the Celtics deserves a heck of a lot of credit. Still under the radar, didn't have the history. You know, I get all that. But th this is about the tremendous defensive effort by the Celtics. This team believes in itself right now and absolutely seems unstoppable. It's going to be a difficult road, but they are playing their best basketball of both ends of the court, Sean. Here it is in late April. Yeah, they were, they were awesome. Um, you know, I'm more about right now, Brooklyn and that just dumpster fire. Durant came up small. He was great in game, in game four, mm -hmm. but and Kyrie Irving, after the season ends, talking about how him and, and KD, they're going to work together to run the franchise. Dude, you just torpedoed the franchise yeah. the entire year. You were a distraction. You came up small in the playoffs. And Ben Simmons, bad no. back, heat starts to come on. Now it's a mental thing, and the mental thing is triggering his back. You got to love the game. You got to love the game, and you got to love your teammates. And I heard uh, somebody the other day saying that, you know, you, you can – these guys can come back next year, but in everybody's mind, they're going to be like, okay, when you're back, that's great. When are you going to bail on us? Mm -hmm. And that's the problem. New Jersey. And, and now Kevin Durant's in a, in a social media spat with Charles Barkley, and that's not one he's going to win. <laughs> Charles, Barkley, Charles Barkley is a master at it, and he's got a bigger platform. And uh, But anyway, on the court, the Celtics were awesome. Makes me feel even better for picking them to win it all. Look forward to them and the Bucks. Um what about the yeah, six? Awesome. The, the Sixers, you know, Joel Embiid calls out Harden a little bit after game five. And, yeah. and, and is that thing ready? Is that roof ready to fall in uh, in Philly? Nah. No, they'll be all right. <laughs> I also think, like, I just think it's so funny. Like, we talk about Joel Embiid is playing with a torn ligament in yeah. his hand. Yep. And Ben Simmons can't get on the floor. That's the difference. Like that. That's the difference between Ben Simmons and most other NBA players. Do you love the game or not? Do you want right. to compete? Do you want to be a champion? You're right. getting paid, right? Mm -hmm. They got the money. Do Do you want Do you want more? Hey, here's a headline for you. It's April 27th as we tape this, and the Los Angeles Lakers and the Brooklyn Nets are not playing basketball. They're playing golf. That's yep. fine with me. Wow, who yeah. saw that coming? Really. Who was did I don't know if you got who was that poor guy that got posterized by John Morant last oh, night? Oh <laughs> that, that, that was abuse. Filthy. We were watching the Miami Atlanta game, which was not the best. Um, and Miami basically did to Atlanta what we thought they would do. But my dad texted me, he was like, You have to switch over. John Morant just freaking posterized some guy. And so we switched over and it was a commercial. So we switched back and then he was like, oh, they just replayed it coming out of the commercial. I'm like, oh, God. But then I saw, I mean, I saw it on Twitter five seconds later. Yeah, My phone so shook when I watched it. That's how great a play that was. So filthy. Wait, can I ask you about the Hawks too, about the future? But Trey Young averaged 29 points in the regular season. Miami, again, with the defense, they kept him on a 15-point average and he had 30 turnovers. <laughs> If he had 30 turnovers, he's touching the ball a little too much. Something's got to happen there. They've got to get – we've talked about the, the young talent there, but I think Miami is still upset with us that we kept ignoring them because they looked solid defensively too. Yeah. Listen, they look great. And Victor Oladipo is playing some of his first 
you know, real basketball in the playoffs. And he has been phenomenal. I love that guy. That's part of the reason I loved the heat, even though he didn't play for a while. Um, yeah, the Hawks to me, I've said it. I don't think you can win a title with Trey young as your number one. And he just proved why he proved yeah. because yeah. What, he can go get you 40 sometimes, but when he's not shooting it well, he continues to shoot it and he doesn't facilitate enough. You can't win with that guy. When yeah, a guy has nine yeah. points and he's freaking three for 15, it's just not going to, yeah, it's not going to happen. I, I just don't see it. There's too many players on that team. Chris and I talked about it that are good, but they're not great. Um, and they have a lot of money invested in some of those guys. So I'm not sure that Atlanta is going to take that next step. I would like to see them do it because we love our guy, Kevin Herter. Um, but yeah, there would have to be changes for me. I, listen, can you imagine having a guy like that was that trade, uh, the draft night trade, Luca for Trey Young? I'll take Luca. Yeah. Mm. Distributes every more. night yeah. of the week. Um, and every other series has been okay, right? I mean, <clears throat> Minnesota's given Memphis a run for their money. New Orleans has been better against Phoenix than I thought they would be. Um, oh, Booker being out has helped that. I, yeah, I, for sure. I really thought the Pels might pull it out. I don't think they're going to now. Yeah. Um, but they look good for a few days. Yeah. Right. Th this game just, oh, was I infuriated, okay? This is a physical NBA playoff game. Both teams, not one, are physical, okay? One team has 42 free throw attempts. The other has 15. 15? Come on. Yeah. Come on. 17-2 advantage in the first half. That is ridiculous. And if you want to look at the paint, okay, New Orleans had 46 in the paint. Suns had 41. Makes zero sense. That yeah. game needs to go to the league office. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, Monty. Monty was not happy. <laughs> All right, we white ready boards? for the white whiteboards? Who's going first? You want me to do it? Go for it. <laughs> All right, listen. I know we. I know Yankee fans. I'll say we because I'm one of them. Get a lot of flack. Some of it, most of it, maybe even is deserved because we're a real pain in the you know what. Um, not me in particular, but I think I'm also the exception to most rules when it comes to fandom. I'm pretty quiet, reserved. I, you know, whatever. The Bronx fans, I mean, come on. You got to be freaking kidding me. But they're a bunch of children. You got a bunch of 12 and 13-year-old boys sitting out in, in right and left field, throwing trash on the field after you win, after a walk-off win against the Cleveland Guardians, Throwing stuff at outfielders. I mean, one of the outfielders caught a beer can that had gotten thrown at him. Get a life, first of all. And I hope they go in and look at security camera video because they can do this and get every freaking person who threw something on the field and ban them from Yankee Stadium. And you know what? Ban them from every stadium. I don't care. Because at some point, there just has to be a change. And if it's not going to, if you're not, if it's just like slap on the hand or nothing happens, then they're going to continue to do it. So you know what? Ban these people from stadiums so that this crap stops because it's absolutely ridiculous. No player should have to deal with that. Good for Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton for going out there and like trying to cool the situation down, but they shouldn't have had to do that. Yankee fans, you sucked in that moment. You don't always suck, but you sucked in that moment, whoever did it. Um, so yeah, they deserve to be hated on because it's, it's childish. So ridiculous. Yeah, I, I had two problems with it. Number one, I had uh, people on Yankee Twitter 
we're blaming Miles Straw for inciting it, which that's garbage. I mean, you're yelling racial slurs at a teammate of his who's injured. I don't have a problem with him getting up there and calling them out. And I, I didn't see it, but a buddy of mine watching the game said the Yankee announcers glossed over it. And we're talking about how how excited the fans were over the win. Um, the team's got to call out their fans. They haven't even issued a statement near as I know. And the problem with banning people from the stadium, how do you do that? How do you enforce that? If I have they a friend that's – what's that? Oh, they can do it. Yeah. They've got like – there's ways of like facial recognition now. Like they're, yeah. when you walk into stadium, it's crazy. Um and I get it, it's not easy, I, but you it should happen. It yeah. should happen. That's just that's ridiculous. I mean, come on. Straw did not stir that drink at Yankee Stadium. No, no, just very and, upsetting. And they've, and, I mean, listen, they didn't have they didn't release a statement, but Aaron Boone and all the players, like they all said how uncalled for it was and whatever. I don't know that a, any organization is going to release a statement unless they decide to ban those people. But it's it's difficult to do. Someone else buys the tickets and then you walk in with a hat and sunglasses on. And that, that's, that's my yeah. point. Yeah. But yeah, they arrest them, do something because <clears throat> you can't have that. You can't have that. There, there's no, no room for that. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, it's a bad look. It's not all Yankee fans. Like you said, a lot of no, Yankee not all fans of them, wouldn't have, but too many of them, them. way too many of them. I think you probably had a mob mentality thing happen. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, a couple start to throw it. Next thing you know, everyone's doing it. Yep. So, you well, know, Sean's going to have a very nice beast for us at, at the end. So I'll tag into this because what I've got is pretty serious too. Okay. Uh, I really got angry about that. The oh, assault God. of the pitcher. Okay. It's not a fictional book by Stephen King or a feature in 2020. It happened. It's real. It's remarkable. A junior college pitcher... Uh, gave up a homer. The runner was making some yappy remarks around the second. He got past third, and the pitcher lost it, raced off the mound, tackled the hitter, or now the runner. The second base ump, who you would figure would be in shock, saw it and immediately raced over there. He didn't know he had to become a hockey linesman, all right? And fortunately, the runner wasn't injured, got up, touched home plate. Now, we've seen bad things in baseball years ago. Juan Marichal with the image of swinging a bat at the head of Johnny Roseborough. Horrible. Roger Clemens with the fragmented bat fling at Piazza. This was disgraceful, stunning, and unacceptable. Sports aside, it's an assault, okay? There was an apology. There was a very good detailed statement from the institution. There also should be a removal from the team, a suspension, if not expulsion from the school, for that matter. You just cannot let something get to you in sports or real life, take a deep breath, let it go, and move on. Because otherwise, you will pay the consequences. I think, first, I think they suspended them four games, and then they kicked them out of school. They did. Yeah, they yeah, suspended they them four games, yep. which wasn't enough. Because yep. they suspended the, the batter two games, and then him four games, which that's not, <laughs> those things are not equal. Uh, but yeah, then he was uh, removed from school. Why the batter get two games for being a tackling dummy? Or did he yeah, must have done something? Right? He was, I, I guess they said he was yelling at him the whole way around the bases. So does Chris Rock get two game suspension too? Right. <laughs> a two year Oscar ban. Anyway, we talk about bridging the gap, real life versus sports, right? So typically, if I use the term on here, I hate someone, I hate this. Most times it's respect, it's, right. it's just fueled by a rival. And yep. in the last week or so, the NHL has lost two legends. 
and then sat for that. Mike Bossy, and then most recently Guy Lafleur. Um, two of the best players I ever saw play. For those that don't know much about Guy Lafleur, um, he bridged the gap between Orr and Esposito to Gretzky. He was the best player in hockey in the late 70s, early 80s. He drove me nuts. Watching him skate around against the Bruins was painful. I hated Guy Lafleur. Strike that. I respected Guy Lafleur. He was an incredible player and institution. If you didn't see the ceremony Sunday night from up in Montreal when the, the Canadians hosted the Bruins, they took all the advertising off the sideboards and put his name and his number up there. And... Um, Honored him, and then they announced who 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 gave that up, and it was a brilliant tribute. And if you haven't seen it, it's it's readily available YouTube and Twitter. And Mike Bossy, one of the greatest right wings ever to play the game, was lethal. And on that that Islander team that won four straight cups, he was the guy that you had to stop to try and beat them. They Trache Gillies, Potvin, Billy Smith back there, and all the all the role players that were great. Bossy was the guy, and if you didn't stop him, you weren't going to beat the Islanders. Um, so it, it's been a sad week in the NHL, and then people I grew up watching and helped me love the sport again as much as I couldn't stand them because they destroyed my teams on a regular basis. You have to step back sometimes and embrace the greatness uh, that were Guy Lafleur and, and Mike Bossy, and and it's too bad, and you hate to see that. But uh, you know they had remarkable, remarkable playing careers. And, uh, and Ashley, I mentioned when Sean mentioned this that. Uh, my best friend, Tony Benetti from college, diehard Islander fan, and I asked for his comments. I just wanted to share that with you. As an Islander fan, he said uh, he was described as a pure goal scorer. I thought that was a great description for him. Uh, one word I would use is sniper. Uh, he was with Bobby Hull, Phyllis Bezito. Uh, then he came, his time came, and then along came Gretzky, Crosby, Novechkin, he said. Um, Bossy was our go-to guy, and I was very lucky to be a fan of this team that had that run. Uh, just a terrible loss of two of the greats in hockey history that we were fortunate to see in our heydays. Yeah, for those Isle teams, Clark Gillies passed away earlier this year. I have I have uh, breaking news on a personal note. I just literally received as I was talking about Lafleur and Bossy, which I want to share. Um, Back in October, we did our breast cancer awareness show. Mm -hmm. And the person I referenced that day, probably just minutes ago. Yeah. The bell in Colorado, fittingly on our hockey program, was donated to the hospital by the Colorado Avalanche. Um, And my sister, proud of you. She chose not to wear a Bruin shirt just today because the Avs donated the bell. So, but uh, she's she's been a, a great example through this and proud of her. And also you take a moment to, to think about those people and their loved ones who, who didn't get to do this. So, yeah. but uh, so good news for me and my family and extended family today. Awesome. Wonderful. Yeah. Congrats to your sister. That's awesome. Cool. What a good way to end the show. I can't top that. So Yeah. No, well, nobody great can. Ending. I'm going to top that for the rest of our yeah, right. episodes. I hope anyway. Nothing that good. No. Awesome. Well, thanks everyone for joining us. We are at everywhere, right? Apple, YouTube, Spotify, Twitter, at MMMATB1. Uh, 
let's see how wrong we are about, we didn't really do too much draft predicting, but let's see how wrong we are about draft predicting. Maybe I can be a little more right than my Nets pick over the Celtics and we'll see about the NHL too. We got NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs. We'll do it all again next week and we'll kind of recap what our teams did in the draft um, and see what we like, what we didn't like. Right. And next week I will give you a horse that you should avoid in the Kentucky Derby because my history there is perfect. (laughs) Awesome. Let's do it. All right. Enjoy seeing Lloyd Stanley wherever it will wind up in about eight weeks. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a long way to go. Long road to hoe. All right. Be good. See you guys.